0: Okay, uh, we're going to think together just for uh, a few moments about this question. What kind of a church, in the end, when it's all said and done, what kind of church uh, do we want to be? And uh, uh, I just want to invite us as we kick off the day to build something of a platform as to why uh, we're even having a day like this. Uh, to build a platform why we might be thinking and generating uh, a momentum towards certain change in the life of our church. It's true to say that there are just so many fantastic things about our church. Wouldn't you agree? and we love it, and we're thrilled about it, and God's doing some lovely things, and it's great when we're full on a Sunday, and we've got more children and young people that would be the envy of many, many churches. So it seems odd that when things are going as well, perhaps, as we think they could, that we should start messing about with it. What's that phrase about, don't mess with it, you know? Um, don't touch it because it's, you know, you might, you might muck it up. What's the phrase? If it ain't broken, don't fix it. Okay, that's that sort of ilk. So uh, I can understand us having that kind of spirit about where we are as a church just now. That, that, we're, that we're in a really great place, so why would we try and... Uh, 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 Fix it, or unpick it a little bit, or whatever. Uh, and I just, in these next few moments, um, we're going to try and hit coffee at just after half past ten. So, in these next few moments, uh, just to try and help orientate us uh, as to why we might be embarking on a kind of journey of change, of of relooking and reassessing what we're about as a church. So, four realities that I think we need to face up to as a church. Reality number one is our foundation. As I alluded to just a moment ago, it appears that our foundation is really strong because we've got loads of young people, we've got loads of children, not quite as many, but loads of young people, uh, and then we've got uh, a a right sweep of of adults. So it, it appears that we're in a very solid place as a church. But what I've been uh, thinking about over these last few years is, is, is the life cycle and the journeys that churches go on uh, and, and I want to, to share with you that, that our foundation is perhaps not as solid as we would naturally think because of all the life that we are experiencing at the moment. There is a growing gap that we need to be very aware of and think about how we might respond to it. Because of the fact we've got lots of children and young people, I sometimes hear our church being described as a as a young person's church or even as a youth church. The reality, as I hope you'll see in a moment, is that we're neither of those things. Uh, in fact, if this is numbers of people and along the bottom is our ages going from 1 to 100, optimistic, eh? 80, give or take, whatever it might be. What's the scenario for us at the moment? And this is crude, okay, and sort of rough. You can work it out at home, get the membership directory out, guess everybody's age and work it out. It's a, it's a, it's a good way to spend a few, uh, uh, a few minutes. So we've got quite a lot of children. Big cheer. We've got quite a lot of young people, but a bit less. And then we dip down in young adulthood and then we pike up like this and we go like that. And to be fair, that's probably about 60. As in, in the scale of this uh, of this uh, uh, graph, so you, you can see that, that, we're, that we're weighted here, and then we're much more weighted here. We're, we're not a young people's church or a youth church. At best, we're a middle-aged church. Yeah, that's not bad. I'm middle I mean, that's pretty cool. That's looking exciting for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm just coming into my fullness. Okay, so this is this is not bad news. This is just recognizing where we are. Okay, so we're, so we're a middle-aged. Now, the, the interesting thing to note is the reason we've got lots of children and young people here is because we've got lots of adults here. Because they're providing the children and the young people. There are no children and there are no young people in our church that aren't associated with an adult. Okay, it's not like it used to be. There isn't anyone on our books that's not associated with an adult, I don't think, in this kind of sense, in terms of main core activities of our, of our church. So these guys are providing the children and the young people. Now, if we do nothing for the next 10, 15 years, what will happen is that this curve will be over here somewhere. We'll all have grown 10 years older. Look at the person next to you and say, you will be much more beautiful in ten years' time, <laughs> steady. Some of some of you are enjoying that a bit too much. Okay, so uh, there we go. In ten years' time, okay, we're all a bit older. But look at what happens. Look at what happens. It's important. The gap between the children and young people and the majority of adults has increased. We now don't have very many people providing the children and the young people because that because we've all got older. So what happens is the children and young people, even if they come to Christ and we're praying that they will, most of them will move somewhere else because they'll marry, they'll start families, they'll be part of another church, move to another place. So some will drift in and remain with us, but many will go. What will happen if we don't have this this uh, a group of adults here, is that this drops considerably like this, and you end up with a curve like that. And that curve is typical church. You can find a church almost on every corner that has a few children, a few young people, a massive gap, and then the, the, the majority of people associated with the church are in the final third of their lives. Is that not the truth? That's what most churches look like. If we do nothing, okay, we are only 10 or 15 years off that. That's where we're heading as we grow older if we don't seize the moment. So it feels like in the life cycle of churches, we are at a critical moment. Once a church gets to that demographic, it's really hard to recover. It's really because all this gap is just is just too great. So we're at a really important moment ahead of time, looking into what's naturally coming. If we just sit around and sing our hymns, do all the busyness that we're doing, if we carry on with all our busyness, if we carry on with all our services and programs, we'll end up in the red in about 10, 15 years' time. And so as we think about our foundation, there is a growing gap that we need to be aware of. We are a middle-aged church, and we are growing older. The other thing that's changed, another reality that we have to face, is that our frontier has changed. We're in a very different world. You don't need me to tell you this, but we need to pause and acknowledge it just for a moment. Our frontier is where our Christian faith and our Christian life meets a secular or a godless or a lost world. That's our frontier. Now it's very different from what it used to be like. We used to be in a, in, in a Christian environment, now we're in a post-Christian environment. So most children, if you showed them a man on a cross, would not know what that means. That's hard for us to understand because we're all in churchy contexts. Most children would not know what that meant. Uh, vis-a-vis, uh, a Baptist youth thing did some surveys, most of them would not know. Today, people are going shopping and no one is thinking, should I be doing this? It's a Sunday. You think that because you're in a churchy context. No one thinks that anymore. No one's going into, uh, well, they would have gone into HMV, but they can't anymore. Um, uh, no, no one's going into, Jess. oh, whoops, they've gone as well. Um, no, no one's going into Woolworths, uh, 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 British Home Stores, whatever's left, Woolworths has gone ages ago, um, and going, I'm not sure I should be doing this because it's a Sunday, Okay, society has massively changed in that sense. We're no longer in a in a Christian environment. Uh, and the world's got much more personalized. The first thing you do when you get your mobile phone is to personalize it. You put in your own ringtones, your own pictures. You have your favorites where you want them. You expect to be able to personalize everything. You go into a coffee shop. Do you want it uh, caffeinated or decaffeinated, black or white? What flavors do you want in it, cinnamon or vanilla? What sprinkles do you want on top? Do you want it with cream or without? Uh, And the milk that you have, if you choose to have milk, is that semi, uh, is it full fat? What the heck is it? By the time you've ordered your coffee, you need to lie down. That's why there's loads of sofas in the coffee shops these days. Because it's so exhausting ordering a cup of coffee. Why? Because you want to be able to personalize it. That's the world we're in. So mass activities don't work like they used to. Because everyone in our culture expects it to become much more personalized. People are really suspicious of mass-produced things we want to be able to personalize. And that makes people really suspicious of authority as well. Which is why when an authority figure stands up and says something, most people instinctively now, rather than believe him or her, disbelieve them. Think about the politicians. Think about your doctor. Are you sure he's right? I'll check online. Are you sure she's right? I'll check on the internet. Uh, and so we have this mistrust. Society has changed. So, if a vicar type like me gets up and says something, there is a natural mistrust about it in today's world. So, some of the things that were really important to the ways we did the gospel and evangelism before are now way less effective because our frontier has changed. Our frontier has changed. Now, there are two things as we think about all that we're going to think about today that I'm urging you to hold in your minds. The first thing is. That when we talk about doing something new, we're not saying that what was done before was not right or not good enough because the frontier has changed. Therefore, we need new things to engage with a new or a different frontier. So please, please, people need to understand the very reason we've got a church with the life that it's got is because of all that's gone on before. We need to adapt and change to our frontier for our day. And the second thing I'd urge you to think about and remember is that there is loads and loads of stuff in our church that's brilliantly good and we need all of it, but maybe we need to add some more things in as well. And that takes me to my third point about our faithfulness. People in this church work brilliantly and tirelessly. The levels of commitment are massive time, energy, and sacrifice, and we do it all because we love Jesus, don't we? Yeah, Yeah, he thrills our hearts, and we'll lay down our lives, sometimes, for him. Yeah? Uh, and, And so on the faithfulness scale, it feels to me instinctively that we're really high but what's been challenging me over these last few years, which has taken us on this journey, is it is our faithfulness for Jesus. We're doing all this for Jesus, but in doing all of this for Jesus, we've lost something of what it might mean to be faithful to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus gave us a model to follow. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. We're called to be faithful to the Jesus model. And that's been a real challenge, hasn't it, as we've been trying to highlight over these recent years, to be faithful to the Jesus model. Jesus said, come. We often speak about, sorry, Jesus said, go. (laughs) Uh, We often speak about, come. Jesus developed His disciples using an apprenticeship model. We try and develop disciples often in churches using a classroom model. I'll teach you like this, then go and do it. Jesus was apprenticeship. We're more classroom. Jesus was focused on people. He got 12 people and he poured his life into them. We tend to focus on our program or our event or our area of responsibility within the life of a church. Jesus spent most of his ministry outside. We do most of our ministry inside the church. Jesus concentrated on a few. He took 12. We rejoiced most of the time in the gathering of the many In fact, sometimes Jesus sent the many away. You want me to be king, you could just go away, and many deserted him. So so there were lots of ways in which the model Jesus gave us, in all of our longing to be faithful to him in our churches, we've lost some of the strong emphases that he had, we've lost what it means in certain areas to be faithful to the model that he has given us. Now these three, four realities, we've got one to go, are in uh, 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 order of, um, in ascending order. They're getting more and more important. Okay, So the first one about this, trying to keep our church going, who cares really at the end of the day. Honoring Jesus is really important, so we want to be faithful to him. And then this last one is, is like the final uh, uh, reality that we have to face that causes us to think about our life together. And that's our fruitfulness. Our fruitfulness. Jesus said... Go and bear fruit. I've chosen you to bear fruit that will last. That's the deal. Fruit that will last. The only thing that lasts is that which goes into the life that is to come. Calling you to bear fruit that will last. A gardener or a vineyard owner needs fruit to survive to feed his family. The fruit bearing of the vineyard owner, this is the image Jesus had, It's not an optional extra, absolutely fundamentally core to what the gardener needed. It wasn't a nice to have, it was the essential ingredient. How many people do you know who've come to Christ in the last 12 months? There are about 250 people in our church and we might go to one or two, maybe three or four. So there are 250 stores of a business in the UK, and only one or two is making a profit. What will inevitably happen to that company? It may survive in the short term because it's built up reserves, but it's never going to make the long haul. We're going to watch a video. It's 10 minutes long, It's a parable. And do you know what Jesus said about parables? He said, I I talk in stories, I talk in parables, and I'm inviting he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's watch this video together.